I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here. And I know there's always in the summertime people that we love and we miss, and they, they're not here with us. I know there's been several Sundays that I was gone for that wedding, and, but I sure am glad to be back here today and excited about what the Lord has in store for us. I'm really excited for what is coming in the days ahead. We're starting a new series today, a biblical model of a New Testament church. And we welcome all of our guests here today. In fact, we pray that you'll come back. And really the best kind of sermon series to get in on if you're looking for a church is a sermon series that talks about what church is, who we are, what we are, what, what, we, what we believe the Bible says about, about being a member of a church. And how does that look like for gospel light? So if I'm a guest today and I'm here for the first time and I'm looking uh, to, to land somewhere, to be a part of a local body of believers, to, to, to love one another, to serve one another, then this is a great sermon series. And uh, every time a, a preacher uh, knows he's addressing the church family, I want to make sure our guests know that they're welcome. And we're talking mainly, though, uh, uh, or, or I should say it mainly, but we're, we're speaking for the next few Sundays throughout the summer months about the church, about, about what does the Bible say about church, and, and is there some things that maybe just as a result of uh, denominationalism, potentially uh, just uh, this is the way it's always been, have we, have we not dug deep enough into Scripture? Could it be that, that, this, that part of sanctification is growing in God's Word, is saying, you know what, wait a minute, Let, let's look and see, what does God say? And have we just read these passages and potentially not really taken time to study and look? So I want to I do that over the next few, few days. Now, I'm really thankful because I believe, even this morning, I sensed a spirit of unity in our church. And I believe the Holy Spirit of God is creating that spirit of unity among us as a body. I believe that. And uh, if, that's, if that's not true, then I guess I, I should say, tell me, somebody needs to talk to me, come to me, because there's never been a time where we've needed a spirit of unity more than now. But I sense that, and I believe that this is the time for this particular sermon series, and I have no doubt in my mind the Holy Spirit is leading us uh, for such a time as this. Now, we seem, I think, as a church family to understand our mission uh, more and more. We may not be there yet, but we're getting there um, how many of you know that our mission is on our church bulletin every Sunday? All right. Uh, okay, good. All right. It's there every Sunday. It's there to remind you of what we're all about. All right. And that's what we're all about is, is, that, is that mission, that which is on your prayer guide, uh, your worship guide every single Sunday morning. So what does it mean then, as I introduce this series, let's think about how important it would be to, to know what it means to be a member of a church. And I want to take a time to explain that. You know, why has a charter research uh, team or committee come together at Gospelite over the past several months, really since January? Why have uh, two of our deacons, two of our lay people, two of our pastors, Brother Dave Chittam, uh, Brother Nathan Day, Brother Charlie, myself, Brother Robert Lane, Brother Doug Gully, we've been getting together for extended periods of time in the evenings and, and studying God's Word, looking at it together, each being given different assignments, then coming together, the six of us, and discussing things and saying, you know, hey, boy, isn't this exciting, and we well, can't wait to share this. Well, now's the time to share what God has been doing in those meetings. And what we hope to do is by September, our prayer is that we can celebrate together, celebrate together together. Wow, a, a deeper understanding of what it means to be a church member, to be a part of a church. And you know, I think that word commitment, honestly, 
is going to be a word that we begin to understand more and more when it comes to being a follower of Jesus Christ. It's more than just a vertical uh, relationship, which it is, but it also has some horizontal implications. I mean, there is something about about, about being a a follower of Christ in a a local community, a body of a church body that, that also not only means we, we worship God with all of our heart, mind, body, and soul, but we also serve each other the same way with everything that we have. So what does it mean to be on the membership role at Gospel Light? You know, I think we get some crazy answers to that question. Honestly, I think it'd be, uh, you know, I would hate to put anybody on the spot. I honestly would and sometimes be hate to put on the spot. I think my answer would probably be, uh, you know, well, I know I get to vote. Amen? I think, that's, I think I can do that. I think also that I can volunteer for things. I know that um, I'm supposed to probably give something, you know. I, they, they don't talk about it too much, but I, they pass the plates. And so I, you know, and we, we, we give kind of generic answers. But, but truly, what does the Bible have to say? You know, when you look at Scripture and see different times when God entered into a, a covenant with men. And by the way, he did. In the Old Testament, we, we see covenants that God entered into with men like Noah, men like Abraham, men like Moses. And in the Old Testament, this was the method that God used to relate to his people. And all of, his, of the Old Testament uh, prophets and, and, and the Old Testament, of course, what it does for all of us is it sets the stage for, for the New Covenant, for the New Testament. I, I praise God for the Old Testament and the Old Covenant, but have y'all read the Old Testament lately? <laughs> There's a whole lot in there that I, I sure am grateful that, that God sent his only son, amen, and, and that I can accept by grace through faith his payment for my sin and, and that blood that was sprinkled at the altars now sprinkled over me and I've been cleansed in my sin. That's why we can sing, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And when God rent the veil, the very first thing he did, by the way, was rent the veil. Why? So we can have direct access to God a totally different relationship with God than it was in the Old Testament. And yet God set the stage in the Old Testament for all of this. In Scripture, we, we see that there have been covenants between men, but also covenants between people. We see in 1 Samuel chapter 18, is, uh, and just listen closely. I, I'm going to make this as interesting and as uh, somebody said yesterday, boy, preacher, can't wait to come to church. I heard you're real exciting. And I thought, okay. I'm going to preach on church membership today. I'm going to try to make this exciting, but I hope I don't let you down here. But I know, most importantly, I don't want to let the Lord down. Amen? I want to preach what he he wants me to say and preach. So we see in 1 Samuel 18, there's a covenant between David and Jonathan. We see also that marriage is described as a covenant relationship. Amen? That's right. We make a promise. That's what a covenant is. It's a promise. And we make that promise. Uh, We we had a marriage uh, wedding here this last week. We are going to kind of remember a wedding a couple of weeks ago as we, at the end of this service. And uh, that's a covenant relationship. Things are promised one to the other. We also see groups entering into covenants together in the Bible, how they're going to live life together, and they enter into these covenants. And you fast forward through church history, because, you know, sometimes we, we're not aware of, of what was church like back in the Bible days, and really what has it been like through church history? And really the church becomes something here in the last hundred years, couple hundred years, that you're just kind of born into. That's the way it was for me. 
You know, I was, I was born into the church. I didn't have to join the church. I was, my parents were Catholics, so guess what I am? I was a Catholic. Never joined the church. I got baptized as an infant. Don't remember it at all. But just sort of, you know, that, that's the way it, it, it kind of became. You were a member of the church regardless if you'd ever been saved. Didn't matter if you trusted Jesus Christ or not. You, you, you just were a member of the church be, just, just because maybe your parents were. Because you grew up in church. And, hey, I've just always, you hear this a lot when you talk to people. I've always been in church. I've, I've been in church since, since I was a, a baby. And that's what made the Reformation so significant in the 15th and 16th century. And even beyond that, because people began to break away from the established church. Just a short little history lesson. You know, as they broke away from the established church, this is what they were saying. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Church membership is not something you're born into. Church membership is something that happens when you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. By grace, by, uh, by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And this all of a sudden came to the forefront in church history. And people began to die for their faith. Commitment and as a follower of Jesus Christ went to a whole new level. And so people began to gather together in congregations. And here's what they began to say. We are Christians. We are Christ followers. We are the church not because we're born into something. We are the church because we are following Jesus Christ. Amen. These churches for about four centuries would establish covenants with one another. And they said during a time when it was not easy to commit to one another. And can I say this to you today, and I want you to, I want you to get this. I believe we're beginning once again to understand what that means. It, it's not easy anymore to really commit yourself to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Just like they were under persecution, church, I want you to know, don't be so naive to not think that even though we still have it pretty easy here in our country, that persecution is on the way. If, and it's really here already in, in many ways, even in our country, but around the world. More people are, being, are giving their lives today, laying down their lives. More martyrs today, folks that are dying for their stay in the belief in Jesus Christ than ever before in church history. Does that, not that resonate with you that maybe we need to wake up and recognize the importance of, of, of what it means to be committed to one another? And this is what they were doing as they broke away from the established church. They were saying to one another, we are going to, to commit to one another. We're going to uphold one another. We're going to strengthen one another. We're going to stand with one another. But then you get into the late 19th century and the early 20th century, and here we are in the... Uh, early 20th, 21st century, if you will. And all of a sudden, for a variety of reasons, increasing secularization being one of them, also the church growth phenomenon has hit the scene where you can buy books on church growth, but truth of the matter is, if you want to really grow a big, big, big church, then the last thing you want to do is focus on commitment. Because really people don't want to be committed to anything. If you want people to come to your church, you don't ask for a steep commitment, do you? That's the problem we have today, commitment phobia. We resist committing to anything. We rather keep our options open. And so for that reason, you have all of a sudden a lot of this, church hopping. You can find somebody who lived their life and was a member in the same town, sometimes of five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten different churches. All kinds of churches. No commitment. 
just kind of go where we, you know, are most comfortable and where we don't have to step out and really commit ourselves to anything. We, we sort of involve ourselves in the, in the church dating trends of the day. Don't commit yourself to a body of believers, but is that really what the New Testament teaches? That's, that's my question to you. That's really the question that I've asked myself. Is that what the Bible teaches? I believe the New Testament teaches that we are to commit ourselves to a body of believers. We are. And that body of believers is called the local church. I'm convinced of that. As I speak this message, let me establish from the forefront that the New Testament teaches this. That we are to commit ourselves to a body of believers called the local church. And so what we've been doing as a charter research committee is we have been diving into what the Bible teaches is the best way to show the beauty of the church and and how God designed the church to be. We've been praying about it. We've been studying the scriptures together. We've been looking uh, into church covenants in, in, in history and how does that look and what does that mean? And so I'm going to begin to share some of that with you today. And, and I pray that, that you will see my heart and, and see what the Scripture says. And, and together we can celebrate a deeper understanding of, of, of what it means to be a part of a local church. So I'm going to take a few moments this morning. Uh, I, I'm not going to get in a hurry, but I'm going to take some, some moments. We're going to be done on time. But I want to share with you in this series, beginning today, what does it look like for us? Gospelite Baptist Church, not 500 years ago, not 1,000 years ago, not 2,000 years ago, but, but today, what does it look like? Yes, we're, we're taking everything from Scripture, but today in 2014, what does it look like for Gospelite Baptist Church, a church living in community, establishing the, the, the right church leadership, a plurality of leadership? What does that mean? What does that look like? We're going to discuss all that over the next couple of months and prayerfully be able to celebrate at the end of the day. So today we're going to look at an example uh, in Nehemiah chapters 8, 9, 10, and we'll go quickly here. Don't, don't get nervous. We may not even finish. We, we've had that problem before. But we are going to look today at an example in the Old Testament of a community of faith in Nehemiah. And, and what we're going to do, and this is, this is kind of how uh, I love to teach the scriptures, is look for parallels. Look for examples. Look for things that, that, that lined up then and, and that would line up now. And how does that look when we talk about a specific new covenant community of faith called Gospelite Baptist Church? Now, when you hear the word covenant, here's what I want you to think about. Relationship. I want you to think about, as we talk about this word covenant, a church in relationship to one another. Illustration, I love our church. I love our church. I've been here for 20 two years. And I love this place. I love it. 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 I love Hot Springs. I love our church. I love our people. I really do. I, I, you know, I love things like baby dedications, what we, what we just did uh, with John and Bobby and Johnny. I mean, that's, that's so special. And, and, and I'm beginning as I study the scriptures to realize just how much that I need you folks in my life and that you need me in your life. I'm beginning to understand that this is so it's so big. It's so strong. It's so, there's so much here about, about understanding the value of a covenant relationship in a church. The word relationship is the key word I want you to keep in mind as we think about the value of being the member of a church. 
I mean, how many of you think that, that it ought to be something big to, to be a member of a church? I, I personally feel like that what's happened in my life, even though it's, it's not happened with a, maybe with a, a lot of understanding, but I tell you, I've come to understand as I've looked over the past 35 years of my life as a Christian, man, my church family really is closer to me than, than my family. Apart from my wife and kids, I, I'm closer to you. I'm closer to this, this body of believers. You are really my family. It's huge. So folks have said to me, man, preacher, I know we've been through, and I'll get to this at the end, I know we've been through a lot of highs and a lot of lows. I'm just glad you stayed. Really? Why would I want to leave? I mean, it's easy to stay when things are great, but why does it have to be so hard to stay when things are tough? You're my family. I've been through a lot of tough times with my wife. I don't leave her. We get stronger. Our relationship gets stronger as we bear one another's burdens. So we're going to talk about the fact that we're recipients of this new covenant. And because we are recipients of a new covenant, thank God for that, because we have unlimited access to God because we are recipients of this new covenant. We talked about the fact that he rent the veil. And when he rent the veil, he gave us unlimited access. Why do you think right now, if I stopped and said, hey, we are going to pray can I tell you, we could pray to the creator of the universe at any moment, any time. We don't have to do it once a year. We don't need somebody to usher us in. We can do it ourselves. Come boldly to the throne of grace. Amen. You can do that anytime. And that's, that's the new covenant. We have access to the throne room of God. But this new covenant doesn't just affect our relationship with God. It's not just vertical. It also affects horizontally our relationship with each other and that's what i'm concerned about that's what i'm excited about and so i want you to look at hebrews chapter 10 don't turn there but look on the screen I, and i want you to see here as god established the new covenant he he established it with an idea of us together look at it in scripture let us draw near talking about the church with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from, the, from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us, the Bible says, hold fast to, to the profession of our faith. And then on it goes to say, and let us, uh, uh, is that the next verse, Ken? Did you switch it? Yeah, good. Okay, let us hold fast to the profession of faith. Let us, see the words let us again, consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. That's the church let us and then not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is we are to what to encourage one another to exhort one another i would think that when you attend church isn't it exciting to be encouraged a little bit weren't you encouraged by the worship service weren't you encouraged by the baby dedication i mean this hour and a half together every sunday as we come together assemble ourselves together it ought to be an encouragement to see others around you that's why we, we, we look forward to, to, to not just sitting in our pews. Uh, Adrian Rogers used to say, sit, soak, and sour. Too many Christians just sitting, soaking, and souring. No, we come and, you know, I love, um, I love Ken and Camille. When you come in, you come in almost the same time every day, guys, uh, Sunday, every time. And do you not see me every Sunday right here? Wouldn't it be odd? It, it, I know I've been gone a couple of weeks, but it, it would be strange if I was here and we didn't greet one another. I look forward to it. I get a big hug from them. We talk about things and, and, and just kind of fellowship for about two minutes. I need that. 
I need that fellowship. I need that encouragement. It encourages me to see you on Sundays. And, and, and I know that, that, that it's just not the same with, without you here. And I, I want you to feel that way. Let us, let us encourage one another. In light of what God has done in each of our lives, that's why church membership is so important. Now, you're not going to see church membership in, in the New Testament. You're not going to see the words church membership. That's why some folks like to say, well, you know, I don't think it's real important to be a member of a church. And so we sort of dismiss that. But the, church, the Bible doesn't use the word Trinity either. And yet the concept and the doctrine of the Trinity is all throughout the Scripture. And we use that word knowing that Scripture supports the Trinity. Just like Scripture supports church membership. So what is church membership? It is, it is a committed part of a local body of believers. To, to be a church member is, is to be committed to a local body of believers. And so look to your notes and quickly go with me through some of these as we talk about the value of church membership. Why church membership? Well, first, the value of church membership is implied by church gatherings. The times that we actually come together. In fact, literally in the Greek, the word for church is ekklesia, which means a gathering. And some mentions of the church in the New Testament speak of the universal body of Christ. And that's a wonderful thing. But those are very, very rare. The majority of scripture that talks about the church is speaking of a, a local New Testament body of believers that gather together somewhere on a regular basis. And that's why we're here today. That's the dominant use of the word. The dominant use is a church that gathers in their homes, in their community, in their region. And so to say, I'm not a member of a local church. I'm a part of the universal church. To say that, I believe, goes completely contrary to the teachings of the Scripture. It just doesn't add up. Yes, you're a member of the universal church if you're, if you're a Christian, a follower of Christ. But everyone should be a member of a local New Testament body of believers that gathers together to worship, to serve, and to love the people in that community and in that church. Amen. And that's why I'm a member of this church, because I enjoy, number one, gathering together on Sundays, every Sunday. You say, you're the pastor. You can't miss. I wouldn't miss if I wasn't the pastor. I love being here. I enjoy coming to church. And my church membership is a, a big part of it is how I enjoy coming together and gathering with you in a corporate assembly on Wednesday nights at 5 o'clock. I've got my little small group. I enjoy that. I love that little small group. We have a great time together. That's, that's a church service. We gather together. We assemble together. It means a whole lot to me to live in community with that small group every single week. And care for them and love them and they care for me and love me and it's a great thing. Secondly, church membership is not only applied in the New Testament by church gatherings, but secondly, church membership is implied in the New Testament by church discipline. We're going to dive into that in the coming weeks. Not much today, but if you want to get a head start, look with me if you would at Matthew chapter 18 and 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And study those passages of scripture where in the Bible you'll see there is a process for addressing unrepentant sin in the church it's there it's in the bible and yet i don't know that we've ever at gospelite really taken time to study what what does that look like today i believe this is one of the main reasons why why every believer needs to be the, a member of a church we can't live the christian life alone church we can't do this alone we need each other 
And when, when one gets astray uh, or, or falls to, to the wayside, how important is it for that person to know that somebody cares and somebody's there to reach out and, and help them come back, amen, and restore them? And sometimes it may take an understanding of what does that look like in, in, in church scripture. Sometimes we, we say the words church discipline and boy, it's just, oh no, that's, that, uh, boy, you're scaring me off, preacher. Well, let, hang in there and just listen to what I have to say in the coming weeks and let's Let's just, let's just look at the Bible together. And if the Bible says it, can we agree to believe it? And I think you'll, be, I think you'll, you'll, you'll see the importance of, wow, chances are I'll, I'll, I know that I'm going to wander sometimes. I know that I'm going to make mistakes, but I need to be a part of a church for accountability reasons. I need to be a part of a small group. I, I need to be thankful when somebody comes to me and says, preacher, could I talk to you? I, I love you, but I... There's something that God has laid in my heart to, to share with you. I need to receive that. Amen. I'm grateful. I've got brothers and sisters in Christ that can speak into my life and, and help me. Amen. Sounds kind of strange, doesn't it? It's New Testament Christianity. And then church membership is implied in the New Testament by, by, by church leadership. All throughout the New Testament. All. This is what's really blowing my mind. And, and I guess, you know, I don't think, I, I don't want to say that I missed it altogether, but I, I surely didn't see the major emphasis in, new, in the New Testament on elders and pastors in the church that are trusted with the care of the members of that church. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17 on the screen, I think will give you an indication of how huge this is. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls. And here's the, here's the thing that, boy, this strikes this ought to strike a healthy fear into every leader in the church as they must give an account. Wow. I mean, you talk about a wake-up call for me to realize that as I stand today in this pulpit and on this platform in front of you, our people, I, I realize, listen, this is serious stuff. Very serious stuff. There's members of this church who, who I know we've neglected. I just know we have because, first of all, because it, it, it's really tough for one pastor to do it all. It's really hard for one guy to be responsible for hundreds of people to make sure that they're all taken care of. When I began to realize that, man, I am failing miserably, and there's actually probably people that have left the church because they weren't cared for properly. But you know, when you get hundreds of people together, Sometimes it's tough to cover all the bases and you begin to realize, wait a minute, the Bible does speak of a plurality of leadership and elders and pastors and, and those that came to, to, the, to the leaders uh, and, and said, listen, we've got a problem. The widows are being neglected in the daily administration and we've got some serious issues and, and this is not a good thing. And the pastors who were studying the Bible and praying and preparing to teach the church said, listen, we've got to have some help and, and can some deacons come along and help us take care of the widows and can you see how they understood in the New Testament that one man can't do it all? There's got to be. And by the way, can I tell you something I've learned in being a pastor for 22 years? I'm not as gifted at certain things as other men in this church are. And, and, and I'm grateful today that as we begin to learn, uh, you know, what, what, those, what certain leaders are gifted in, how, how they can really in so many ways do a better job than even I could. So I'm excited about teaching about church leadership and how that might could look in the future of our church. And then church membership is implied in the New Testament by church accountability. Church accountability. In other words, 
I, church, am accountable to you. If I don't preach the gospel, guess what you're responsible to do? Get me out of here as quick as you can. Amen. Thank you, Robert. That's exactly right. Don't be afraid. I don't say amen. Because, no, that's how cults start. That's exactly right. That's how, that's how the church gets polluted and gets off track because some dominant leader who decides we're going to believe this and you've got to believe this. And if you don't believe that, now wait a minute, you're responsible to make sure the gospel is always being preached at this church. And so there's an accountability thing. That's, that's, that's all throughout history that missionaries are being sent out of our church. We're accountable to make sure that our church is sending missionaries out. So now think about these words with me for just a moment. Discipline, leadership, accountability. Wow. Those are not words that really add to the, to the church growth philosophy, you know. To be honest with you, those are words that usually people are somewhat scared of. And when you begin to think about American individualism, and I'm talking about discipline and accountability and, and submission to church leadership, these are not words at the top of the church growth, uh, you know, strategic strategies today, you know. And I believe there's probably some in this building even right now that might be saying, really? I mean, Wow. Pastor, are you you serious about these things? Boy, I'm hoping that you'll study for yourself and begin at the end of this message to get a hunger and a thirst for the things of the word as we begin to, to, to say this is what a biblical church is all about. And as I look at it, we have two options, church. First of all, we can go with what feels most comfortable in our culture. In fact, we can go with what feels most comfortable in our church culture. But I don't think that's what we ought to do. I think we ought to, we ought to number two, we can, we can do that. Or we can just do what the Scripture says. How many of you vote right now, we just do what the Scripture says? That's what I think we do. Not what the culture says, not even what church culture says, but what does the Bible say? And in the process, I've got some good news. I think you and I are going to find out that God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing. All of these things, we may bite our fingernails now and say, oh, I'm getting nervous, I'm not sure. What, but that... Uh, no, if it's in the Bible, we're okay. We're okay. We have a greater chance of church growth doing things the Bible way. I'm talking about steady, solid church growth. Amen. Not this kind of stuff, but the steady growth where people in the church are committed, not because of a man, not because of you know, preferences, but, but because of a covenant, a covenant with one another. So I pray that God will begin to work in our hearts. God knows what's best. And that we need to trust his word and do whatever we need to do to line up with whatever the principles in God's word are regarding the church. Amen. Now, there's nowhere in the New Testament where the church is commanded to establish a covenant with one another. Nowhere in the, it, 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 it says, I had somebody tell me the other day when they heard the word covenant, they said, Pastor, I, I don't even know if that's biblical. Well, when something is is not commanded in the Bible, the first thing we need to ask is this. Is it prohibited in Scripture? Is it prohibited in Scripture? Well, the second thing we need to ask is this. Is it beneficial or is it valuable? Well, I know that a church covenant is not prohibited, and I do believe it could be very valuable. And so therefore, I want to give you main point number three, and I'll just introduce this point. Let me give you now the value of a church covenant. Number one, let's, let's just define covenant in the Webster's Dictionary. It is this, a written agreement or promise 
usually under seal between two or more parties, especially for the performance of some action. That's the definition of a covenant in the Webster's Dictionary, all right? So we're not talking here about a statement of belief. Everybody with me? We're talking more about behavior, not legalism, not, not like it used to be, where you've got a whole bunch of extra biblical rules you've got to follow that aren't even in the Bible. Who says, let's, let's be away with that forever? Amen. That's not what this is about. That hurts people. That, that's nothing. That does not teach. That's exactly opposite of the new covenant. But what we're talking about is not so much what you believe, but what you do and how you act. So what would make a church covenant unique? Well, let's define a church covenant. Here it is. At least this will be our definition. A clear expression of a church's commitment to love one another as a community of faith. A clear expression of a church's commitment to love one another. Is there anything more important than loving one another? Jesus says you can hang this, you can hang the law All of it, every bit of it, you can hang it on this. (laughs) Loving God and loving others. That's it. That's the most important thing. John 13, 35 says this. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one to another. What would it mean to this community if there was a church on 600 Garland Street that truly, truly loved one another? Well, in Scripture, we see a deep level of commitment that is involved in church membership. And so let's step back and ask the question, is something like that beneficial? Is something like that valuable to have a clear expression that says, I am absolutely committed to loving you the way that Scripture says I'm supposed to love you? I say, yes, that could be very, very valuable. So as we look to Nehemiah chapter 9, I'm just going to give you one verse here and one thought, and then we'll... we'll We'll pick up on this the next time. First of all, I want you to, I want you to know in Nehemiah chapter 9 that what we're dealing with here is it, it, where we're at, in, in, if you will, in, in history is Jerusalem had been destroyed, the walls had been broken down, and the people of God had been brought into captivity. Is everybody with me on that? And so in Nehemiah chapter 9, what had happened is Jerusalem now had been, or rather the temple had been rebuilt, And the walls are going to get rebuilt in Nehemiah chapter 1. The temple was rebuilt in Ezra. The walls are being rebuilt in Nehemiah 1 through 7. And the people are being rebuilt, if you will, in Nehemiah chapter 8 to the end of the book, chapter 13. And so what we're doing is we're looking as a church family at at, at how and what happened when the people of God were, were living their lives after Jerusalem had been reestablished, the temple was rebuilt, the walls now were up, and how were the people of God going to live together? Look at Nehemiah chapter 9, since you're there. Look at verse number 38, the last verse in that chapter. Real quickly. And because of all this, here's what they said. And because of all this, we make a sure covenant and write it, and our princes, Levites and princes, and priests rather, and seal unto it. We make a sure covenant we're going to write this covenant, and we're going, to, we're going to seal it, and this is going to be something we decide as a community. Now, what are the four things that they decided? That's where we're going to pick up next week. Next week, we're going to pick up right there, or actually two weeks from now, we're going to pick up right there. Actually, I'm going to be on a missions trip next week. But in two weeks, we're going to pick up right there on what, what does it look like to be 
a community of faith, covenant, covenant, one and a covenant community of faith together, serving the Lord, loving one another, serving one another. I didn't get to get all of it in, but I know that I know that that's a great spot for us to stop right now and, and pick up. So let me give you these these final thoughts. I'm going just to to, to the end of the message to give you this word again, and that is the word value. Is, it, is there value in what we're talking about? Are we going to become a stronger church because we took two months of the summertime and we decided to look together as, as a church family? We decided to take a time out and say, okay, church, no better time to do this on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights. What does the Bible say as a church family we ought to be? I know no other way to do it but taking this time to do it. And so please, let me encourage you in your small groups this week, ask questions. Go to our website, gospelite.org, okay? And on our website, where it says weekly resources, I want you to click on that. And I want you to look at what a church covenant would look like. We're not talking about something you sign in blood. We're talking about something you say, I agree to that. That makes sense. I, I want to be a committed church member, and that, that's, that's all biblical. That's all that is. So this week, in between this Sunday and our next time together, would you commit to go to our website and look at that, pray over it, ask questions in your small group this week? You say, well, I'm not a member of a small group. This is a perfect Sunday to call the church office and say, hey, give me a small group to join. I need to get in. I need... I need I need to be a part. There's never been a, a time where it's been more important for folks to get in a small group than right now. Let me encourage you to do that. And so if you are a guest today, we want you to know God loves you. We sang about his love just a moment ago, how much he loves us. He died for us. He gave his life on the cross to save us. And if there's someone here today under the sound of my voice that came today, maybe in a sense expecting something a little different, but I pray that you'll understand that regardless of what we are teaching about our church here today, the most important thing that we believe is what I talked about a moment ago, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you've never accepted him as your Savior, you can do that today. If you're a believer and you'd like to come in just a moment and find a spot on this altar and just pray for this series, pray for God to help us as a church in the months of July and August to come together. And, and to understand directionally, scripturally, where we're going and what we're trying to do. And, and, and decide, you know, I, I want to get on board with this. I want to be exactly what God would have me to be in this family. And I pray that God will begin to work in all of our hearts. I know I've got a head start on you, but I hope that I can bring you up to speed over the next couple of months. It'll help if you get on the internet, I promise you that. I want to do this before we pray. I want to ask our pastors to come forward and take, just stand up front here. You may want one of these men to pray with you today. We'd love to pray with you. You may need to come, and today you, you've slipped into this auditorium, and, and you need Christ. You are, you are in need of a Savior. Spencer mentioned, as he sang a moment ago, maybe someone here is carrying a heavy burden, and you just need to come and say, hey, could you pray with me? Could you pray with me? Can I tell you, we need to pray with one another a whole lot more. And that's part of what this invitation is, a call to prayer. Would you come in just a moment when we stand and say, hey, listen, I, I, need, I need some help. This is what this is about. This is the invitation. We're inviting you to come if God has touched your heart in any way.
Let's pray. Father, bless now this invitation. And in just a moment, as, as Spencer sings and we, and we have an opportunity to come, God, may there be liberty to come, to flood this altar, to get on our knees, to pray with those that we love in our church, and maybe to, to reach out to somebody in need. I pray, God, that you'd lift the awareness over the next few weeks to our congregation of what a biblical church is and what does it look like. And help us, God, to be open to follow you according to the scriptures. We'll give you the praise, honor, and glory for it all. Please, again, bless this open invitation to come. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Shall we stand? And as you stand and Spencer sings, if you need to come, would you come right now and carve out a spot on this altar and just pray with us? This is your opportunity right now. Let it